0: Welcome to Creators by Moonlight, real conversations
1: with content creators. Robert Morales, known on YouTube as Traveling Robert, is a travel-oriented content creator. He travels the U.S. in his RV, documenting his journeys with high-quality videos. In this interview, he talks about how he quit his job and gained 200,000 followers, some of the interesting places he's been, and where the road might lead to next.
0: I I never felt as alive as when I uh, climbed uh, Angel's Landing in in Zion National Park, and that one is a little dangerous. But that feeling, once you get up there, you know, you're, you're like, you're tired, you're thirsty, you're sweating, and you're like, Wow, look at this, look at the view. And it's really, it's really, it's really rewarding. I consider myself very fortunate and very privileged to be able to do what I do. I'm living the RV dream, man. I was born in Cuba some years back and I lived in the island until I was uh, 16 years old. My parents had been wanting to, to migrate from the island for many, many years. And that, that was the point when it became doable. So we, we left to Spain. We spent a little over a year in Spain and then uh, we came to the United States. It was a relatively uh, happy childhood, I would say, you know, um, uh, normal, you know. And uh, of course, uh, from, from an early age, yeah, my, my uncle, my parents, you know, there was always this um, Especially my uncle; he was always playing music, and I think that's that's what got me into music to begin with, and all the other creative aspects. I've been told that I that I sang before I spoke, so I guess music was was always uh, one of those things that, that was uh, important to me. It was uh, it wasn't my first career, but it was probably the first art that I learned. Basically, the main reason was that there was a piano in the house, so it was, it was uh, relatively easy to find me a, a piano professor, and uh, that, that's what I did first, I took piano lessons. I like the piano because the piano is like, especially nowadays with synthesizers, it's an instrument that if you play, you can pretty much compose any kind of music. And it's kind of like the basics, even people who who learn saxophone, trumpet, whatever instrument you play, there's a basic piano that pretty much every musician uh, has to learn because it's like the the main instrument and, uh, and the possibilities are endless. When you become a teenager, Kind of piano becomes uncool, so I, I, I took guitar lessons, which was a more portable instrument, and uh, you know, I could, I could relate more socially uh, by, by playing the guitar. Well, I came to Miami when I was 17 years old, and um, coming from Cuba, it was very natural because uh, there's a very large Cuban population in Miami, so it, it almost even uh, especially at the beginning. It it almost felt more like home than even Spain, where we spoke the same language. And here we had the the, the same food and the family was here. and it, it, it felt very like that at the beginning. Then, of course, I went to high school. I I knew a little bit of, of English when I arrived here, but it was basically, you know, high school, you know, school level English, you know, and uh, and it's never the same once you have to use the language in day to day life and basically mainly understand, you know, training your ear to understand uh, uh, people talking that that's one of the hardest parts about learning a language. And, you know, luckily I, I was able to come young enough that I did a year and a half of high school and then we did college. And, you know, little by little, you know, I, I started uh, adapting to, to the place and, uh, and, you know, made it my home. And I've been living in Miami now for over 30 years. So it is pretty much home. I, I've had many different jobs uh, since I arrived in the United States. I never worked before. I got so I got hit when I was seventeen. Of course, you get the, the first job is usually you know when you're in high school and it's a part time. I, I, I worked at a supermarket. I worked at a at a store. You know, at a, they had some duty free shops at the port of Miami. That's uh, that was another job. And and then you know I always because this is my second passion and the, the, the one that I couldn't uh, realize when I was a child. I, I always wanted to moving pictures, be it, it motion picture, movies, or TV, or video production, and, and the, the economic or the fi- possibilities uh, didn't exist. Uh, there was nowhere to buy a video camera, even in the late 80s. Uh, so um, when I came here, one of the jobs that I wanted to seek was I started going to college was working at a, at a TV station. And you know the first job I got I did, it was a small cable channel that doesn't exist anymore. I was the, the shipping and receiving uh, clerk. You know, I just I did the UPS and FedEx and. Uh, It was it was a fun job, not not a but it was a fun job, and then I I got into into traffic, uh, commercial operations, and slowly, you know, I, I started shifting from from job to job. I worked for Discovery Channel, I worked for for Telemundo, Sony Pictures, but it wasn't. Uh, it, it, was, it was never the creative job that, that, that I wanted. You know, it was an office job. I I'd never really made the jump to production or anything like that. That's something that I learned and I did it as a hobby, but I, um, I, I, I didn't, you know, it's a, uh, it, sometimes it is hard to, cl- to climb that ladder at a TV station once you've been uh, in, in case it is a certain job. So it was a comfortable job. It, it paid the bills and it was nice. And then I always had the side hustle of the music. Which I started since the since the early '90s, since when I was when I was doing those part-time jobs in the early '90s while I was going to college, I started playing with the local salsa bands. The salsa was very big in South Florida at the time, and um, it was at a time where, where nightclubs still had the budget to to hire a ten-piece band, and that was a, a lot of fun. in those times, I I played the piano, background vocals, and uh, we we even had a, a, a short-lived hit, a local hit on the radio here. Miami back in 1995 or so. As time passed, I started, uh, you know, to, to move more uh, of a solo career in the music, uh, you know, and uh, with some some musician friends, we did as smaller groups like a trio. Or eventually it was just two of us. In the end, it was just some, sometimes me, you know, just playing the piano at a nightclub, like like what I do now sometimes uh, online. You know, I do like this, uh, these little concerts uh, on YouTube uh, once in a while, that, you know, play the piano and sing.
1: And that was pretty much the music career until, until recently. Robert began experimenting with uploading some of his passions and hobbies to YouTube. These included videos on music and eventually travel as well.
0: Even though uh, I, 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 I was not uh, doing it professionally. I never gave up on that dream of of producing videos and, um, or, or, you know, making movies or whatnot. Um, I did it as a hobby, you know, even back in the days before, we had you know ways to edit the video in the computers. I had I had my camera and a VHS cassette machine, and you know I used to edit that way. You know, put our family videos together, and uh, I did it as, as a way to to express, to to to, to do that artistic exp- expression. Um, then, of course, in the in the mid two thousands, uh, probably two thousand five, I think uh, YouTube came out, and my first channel was actually just videos of us. You know, the band. Playing at different places, kind of a, a way to promote the band, the band, but I, I also had a passion for, for travel, so once in a while I would do videos and one of the first ones was about Miami, you know just driving around and showing people things, and I started doing little travel videos as well, and little by little, you know, kind of making them a little more involved uh, with uh, editing wise, I, I, I even started composing some music for, for these early videos. Um, And at some point I decided, you know what? Let's separate these two things. And uh, I I created a new channel. And this was probably, uh, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was around early 2011. And uh, I already had like 10 or 15 videos that I had uh, done, a cruise that we went and um, a trip to Alaska in 2010. And I, you know, compiled all those videos on this YouTube channel and uh, it was was called uh, Traveling Robert. Even though eventually I renamed it, and then I went back to Traveling Robert. That's that seemed to be the, the name that caught on. And lo and behold, people started watching these videos. Uh, you know, back in the day, it was, it was a couple hundred people, but still, I was like, mm, maybe we're onto something. So I um, I decided to. I kind of I never gave up on the music channel. There's still uh, things there like from 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 all my gigs. But I started uploading um uh, at least once a month you know whenever we went on vacation i made a couple of videos and uploaded them to to this uh, nascent um uh, travel channel and then when we went we went on a california road trip in 2012 and that video kind of took off i mean by by the standards of that time you know i got like a thousand views when i was getting back, a couple hundred always and um and that's when I, you know, that that's when the spark went in my head, and I said, in a couple of years, maybe we can make this, uh, you know, more than more than a hobby. And eventually, little by little, it, it happened. But for me, it was never an overnight success. And uh, and up, up until a couple of years ago, I I, I always thought of keeping it as uh, as uh, a hobby that paid a little bit of money, but just a hobby. And it wasn't until I, I saw a potential that I decided maybe I should, eventually what I did, I quit my job and, uh, and give this 100% of my attention or at least 90 and eventually the, the channel succeeded. I think my, my passion for travel comes from a, from a very young age. Even, even growing up in Cuba where uh, traveling abroad was basically impossible. I, I know my parents dragged me around the island from a very young age. So some of those early trips I barely remember. I've seen the pictures, but um, even though it, it was kind of forbidden to travel outside the island, you know, we could travel. It, it, it's it's a very large island. It's, you know, it's uh, I forget how many how many miles long it is, but it's like 800 miles long for you know for for a Caribbean island. Is uh, it's the largest one. So you know, we went uh, back and forth uh, uh, across the island. I started I, actually. That's when I became kind of passionate about photography. I didn't have a video camera, but we did have a you know, standard film camera, and we took pictures on all these trips. And I, I would always think of how would this look on, on video or, or, or motion picture? You know, I kind of, sometimes I pretended that I was uh, filming and how, 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 how it would look. So it was, it was a dream of mine from, from that time. So yeah, it, 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 from probably from my the age of seven or eight until uh, I left the island at sixteen, yeah, we, we we traveled at least on all the all the school breaks, all the you know summer vacation, that kind of thing. And then in Spain, even in Spain, a year and a half, my parents, whenever we had a, a little bit of a break, uh, we would go to different parts of Spain. We even went for, for to Paris for a weekend. You know, f- freshly migrated, not a whole lot of money, but some, somehow they made it work. And then when I came to the United States, ironically, at the beginning, it was when I traveled the least. <laughs> but uh, after a few years, you know, and uh, I remember, I remember I, I told my girlfriend at the time, uh, she's my wife now, um, let, let's just go for, um, for, on a whim. Uh, let's go to New York. And I just we got in the car, packed our bags. I didn't even have reservations. I knew I had a friend who lived in New Jersey. I called him, he told me, yeah, come over. And uh, we just drove from Miami to New York on a whim. Uh, you know, it took you know 48 hours to get there. And, uh, and we started traveling in the United States. We did a couple of trips to, back to, to Europe, back to Spain. And uh, uh, whenever we had a chance, there wasn't a whole lot of time, you know, working only two weeks vacation a year. There's only so much you can, you can see, but uh, I think we traveled uh, a little bit. All these travels that we did, of course, were always by plane or road trips. That's what you do, right? Uh, right, until I believe it was probably in the 2008, around there, 2009. My brother-in-law decided to rent an RV. We were going to, to visit the family who had just moved to, to the outskirts of Atlanta, Georgia. And of course, we drove, we made it a road trip. We were gonna sleep at their place. But my brother-in-law decided to rent an RV. And when I stepped inside, It I I was like, I mean, when you're not used to it, I was like, well, it's kind of smallish, but we could make this work. This should be a cool way to travel. And um, two or three years later, we decided to rent one. Stepson, he wanted to to visit uh, Cedar Point, which is the roller coaster capital of the world. So we made a deal. Okay, we're going to Cedar Point, but we're gonna make it a road trip, and we're gonna rent an RV and see America. You know, and uh, and that was a, a, a almost like a life-changing thing because it was a totally different way to travel, totally different way to travel uh, with an RV. It's different. It's it's not even like checking in at a hotel. Hotels usually have 24-hour desk. You get to a campground, there's no one there, and you have to learn how to, uh, you know, connect your sewer, your water, your electric. Uh, but it was a very liberating way to travel. You know, carrying your, you know, not having to pack your bags. You know, going from hotel to hotel. It's just everything is there. You're traveling with your home. Your home is with you. A couple of years later, we did a second RV trip, and that's the one that really made me pull the trigger. Uh, we went. Actually, we flew to Denver, Colorado, because I always wanted to see the West. I, I have flown to the West. I have been to Vegas. I have been to other places. But some of these parts in the West that are so remote that are, that are made to be visited with an RV, especially, you know, the, it's called the Four Corners region. Did, where were Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico, and Utah. You know the four states meeting one place, and it's like another planet out there. So we did that trip, and, uh, and we returned from that, that trip, and uh, and a week later we bought the RV, which is actually another interesting story. Uh, because I was already convinced almost that I wanted an RV, but it was a future plan. And we were thinking of getting, you know, a class A, which are the ones that kind of look like a bus, something larger. But then I decided, you know, I had, a, I had a, an SUV that was barely able to tow something, but it could. And I started doing research and I found an RV that I could barely tow with that trailer. And it was narrow enough that it would fit in my driveway. And we went to F- F- Fort Myers just to see it. And famous last words. <laughs> yeah, actually, my, my dad had, had passed away recently and I was in that, you know, mentality, you know, what if it happens to me tomorrow and I never get to get an RV? So it uh, just, just, just took a little bit of a push from that uh, salesperson and we just signed on the dotted line and, and, and got it. That was our first uh, trailer, uh, Micro Mini. And the, uh, and the rest is history after that point. And once I had it, I had to use it. And then came the second conundrum. We're in South Florida. We, have, we are close to the Keys and the Everglades. And that's about it. So if you're going to go out on a weekend uh, with your RV, uh, you're kind of stuck down here. I mean, we, we, we made it to Orlando a couple of times. but It's, it's, a, it's a drive. So um, if we wanted to get out of Florida, visit, see other, other, other places, uh, we would have to uh, either wait for our two-week vacation, which is what we did once, or or make this uh, uh, be able to work from the road, which was the, the other idea that I had. And I, I did a lot of research. There's a lot of things that people do working from the road. But, uh, sometimes there's not a whole lot of money. It depends, you know, uh, what your skills are. Uh, there's work camping jobs. A lot of, a lot of retired, uh, people, that's what they do. You know, they, they work seasonally at Amazon. They do the bid harvest in North Dakota and, and a couple of more things. And they make enough money to be able to travel the rest of the year. I wasn't ready to do that yet, but, uh, there was that one trip that we did—a two-week trip. We, we said, "Let's go to Chicago." You know, we we found out that in Chicago, even though it's a big city, if you there's RV parking at the at the convention center at the McCormick Center there. So um, we decided to do that. And once you drive away from Florida, you're up there, and you see signs on the road like Kansas City or or Omaha. You're like, "Darn it! If I had the time, you know, I would love to visit those places." And luckily, eventually, we were able to, to make it happen. Yeah, traveling by land, is, is just if you, if you want to visit faraway places, you
1: definitely need a lot of time. Now the proud owner of an RV, Robert had the ability to hit the road. But it was his video production, musical composition, and YouTube skills that combined to give him the true freedom he was searching for.
0: My first big trip uh, away from Florida with the RV, uh, besides that sh- Chicago trip, you know, the, we had this uh, this uh, rare uh, total solar eclipse in 2017. And I had already asked for those two weeks of vacation. I'm like, okay, let's do it. I, I can travel as far west as even Nebraska. I'll, I'll go wherever uh, we find uh, clear skies and with the RV, I figured we could just, pull up anywhere and just see the eclipse and, and not do reservations. But during that time, you know, I, I, and I made that those reservations and I asked for that vacation almost a year in advance because I knew that, that a lot of people were, wanted to do that. But within that time, I started seeing that the, the YouTube channel was almost kind of doubling every 10 months or every year. So I started to calculate and I'm like, I wasn't nearly making enough money uh, to to sustain travel, let alone just pay the bills. But I figured, you know, let's take the risk. Uh, I, I think we're, we're going somewhere there. I took that, that leap of faith. And uh, luckily, my family, everybody supported me, so I was able to do it. And uh, the, the week before that eclipse, uh, actually, it was on my my 46th birthday. And I, I gave my resignation. I'm like, you know, and everybody knew I was a YouTuber already at that job. They just, they just uh, knew that. That I had the channel and they never objected to it. But now I was gonna be able to, to give it my hundred percent. And you know, I had been studying also at this point, you know, listening to experts, let's call it, um, on how to grow a YouTube channel, what were the important things. And one of the important things was to be consistent and and do a video, at least one video a week. And just just doing my two-week vacation. I was never gonna be able to do that. You know, I I I try to, to show people different parts of Miami and whatnot and show a little bit of my daily life, but that didn't work out. So on, on July of 2017, I, I decided to quit my job. And then in August was this solar eclipse, We did see the eclipse and that was another, I I, I mean it's a cliche, I don't want to call it a a life-changing experience, but it kind of is. I'm looking forward to the one in 2024 that it's coming up uh, now in two years. But uh, we actually, we ended up uh, seeing it in near a town called Cadiz, Kentucky. And it was great. It was great. And uh, to see all of a sudden within seconds day to turn into night it's, it's really amazing because it's, it's, it's like a sunset all around you. Everywhere you look around you, it, it looks like a sunset, but it's dark where you are, you see the stars. And uh, it lasts for a couple of minutes and then it's daytime again. It's, it's surreal. It's a surreal experience. Yeah, it was emotional. I even forgot to turn on a couple of the cameras that I had set up because, because just, just because uh, of the emotion of the moment, it's a, it's a unique experience. Of course, my, my wife's still doing the nine to five at this point. So what we did, you know, she took her two week vacation. We traveled to see this solar eclipse, and then eventually she flew back, and I continued the trip solo, which was incredibly weird for the first time at the time. You know, to 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 continue the trip solo, but I uh, I took an, an extra week uh, to see Charlotte. I saw Charleston, South Carolina, a couple more. Uh, but that that was that was the beginning. And that was also the beginning of, of my podcast, which I I, I don't pr- promote much, but I also do have a podcast in which I, that kind of started uh, right before. That was another catalyst actually for me to to quit my job. There was this podcast called Living the RV Dream and the gentleman who produced that podcast, he he couldn't travel anymore. And he told me, you know, do you, you want the name? I, I'll give you the name. I'll send everybody over. And uh, I started my own podcast called Living the RV Dream. And I still do. I wouldn't have time to do all that, you know, still doing a 9 to 5 and then filming and doing the podcast and editing as something that very few people know. Editing takes a, an, an inordinate amount of time, editing video, especially if you, the more you complicate things and you want to do a color correction and effects, it could take up to an hour per minute uh, you see on the screen. So that, that was actually the, the, the first, uh, trip I did as a, as a traveling robber. And then whenever I needed content, you know, I, I started doing a couple of trips a day. I did, I did a, a fall trip that year, which we, we again visited the family that moved to Atlanta, the, the same family that moved uh, back way back when, but now, now half of the family is up there. Everybody kind of <laughs> trickled uh, from Florida to, to North Georgia, and uh, and the big trip was the first cross country road trip, and that's the one that I really count as as the beginning of uh, of traveling, Robert. I, that was my dream, you know. I, I had been to LA, to San Francisco, to the West Coast, but I had never driven there, and that's a transformative trip, uh, and uh, that you can only do if you're doing this full time or you're working from the road, because. Uh, that would take at least, you know, it, it takes you six days driving nonstop from Florida to, to California. And uh, that, that to, to, to this day, that's the video that has the most views. <laughs> you know, that, that was a, a successful trip for sure, personally and, uh, and from, from a YouTube standpoint. It is uh, it is a little bit of an involved uh, process to to plan these trips, and I used to plan them actually a lot more uh, intricately when I had less time. Now I kind of sometimes, as 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 far as the trip itself, let serendipity take a a little bit of a hand at the wheel sometimes. But uh, you know, you you want to visit all all of the important points of interest on that trip. Of course, you with the mentality that you know you're going to have to drop some of them, and you're going to add some of them as you go along, uh, because that's the nature of travels. And so, sometimes things don't don't happen as planned. That's, and sometimes you encounter a, a, f- a festival in the small town of uh, Tampico, uh, Illinois. And uh, you're okay. Let's stay here and watch the parade. Why not? Why not? You know, it's a um, small town Americana. It's it's great to see. So sometimes you are. Uh, you, you change plans, but that that's the first stage. And I do, uh, sometimes I, I write myself an outline in, in Microsoft, you know, Word, ex- pretty much with all the places that I want uh, to visit. Lately, I just do uh, pins on Google Maps and I use a, I use an app uh, also called Road Trippers, which lets you set waypoints and it tells you kind of points of interest within this number of miles of your route, which is very helpful. And that's the first step. And, and then, of course, you have to you have to film it. Actually, I'm kind of old fashioned when it comes to cameras. I use, uh, use a camcorder. They call it a dad cam, you know. Like, but it's it's a high end camcorder. It's 4K. has this incredible zoom, and that's what I use to to capture the the landscape. And and then, of course, I, I have two GoPros. One that I usually use for selfie cam. I you know just to, for me to speak on camera, and it has a the extra microphone, it, it, it sounds good and it looks good for that purpose. And I have a third camera, which is usually recording, I have it on the roof of the trailer or on the roof of the truck. I have to, you know, a regular GoPro mount and the camera is always filming. You know, Whatever happens, if I happen to, to, if a deer crosses the road in front of me, it'll capture it because it is always recording. And that's a great help sometimes for, for storytelling because I may not have footage of a certain area and I could just, I, you know, unless it crashes, which sometimes it does, and then I find out that I don't have any footage, but when, when it works, it works well, and I do, do, do get that, the, the whole road. But yeah, that's, that's the, the capturing part, you know? And of course, I have this outline of all these places that, uh, that I wanna see, so th- there was a, 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 an amount of research before but also during and after, sometimes I film something that I wasn't sure what it was, and then when I'm editing the video after the fact, I just go and 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 find out what was this great place that I just saw, or the, you know, uh, during the trip. So um, that's the main technical aspect. I do a lot of uh, some sometimes I, m- many of the videos. I do a lot of the of the narration as voiceover because you have more more control. You have control of the audio quality. And that's how I edit. I actually, I start editing. Luckily, what I do is mostly chron- chronological. So I don't have to be looking at footage from here, from there and put it together. I usually go chronological. I make sure that all my cameras are synchronized with the same date and time. So so then I rename the files with that d- date and times, And I, I know what goes with what. Otherwise, you could go crazy when you're working with three or uh, sometimes I four or five cameras. I also have another Sony inside the car looking at me, a small Sony action camera. and sometimes I. When, whenever you don't have a camera, the best camera is your phone because that's the one you have with you. So I, 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 all the time I patch, you know, into the timeline footage from, from uh, the iPhone or, or whatnot. And then I also, once in a while, you know, I have a large catalog right now. All, by the way, all, all the music that, that you hear on the videos, I, it's, it's being composed by me. I, I started with, I think the first one I did was like for the Alaska uh, trip. And, I, you know, I've been adding and adding and... Uh, and at least two, two or three times a year, I come up with something new that matches, you know, whatever you're, you're, you're watching on screen, you know, something that... And, uh, and then, of course, I reuse them uh, after the fact. I also have a drone, and um, I'm on my third drone, actually. The first one became kind of obsolete. I, it, the, I had the, the original Phantom that you had to actually stick a GoPro on the, on the Phantom. It didn't have any stabilization or anything like that. Then I got a, a, the, the Mavic Pro, which eventually one day I crashed and uh, now I have the Mavic Pro Zoom, which actually I love the, the I don't know if it is kind of like, uh, in a sense, an old school thing about video zooming in because originally uh, video had such low quality that if you wanted to see details or anything, you had to zoom in. Now with 4K, you know, you can be open wide and you still uh, can see uh, details, but I, yeah, I like having the, the ability to zoom in on that, on that drone. And sometimes I don't have to fly as close to, to things. I, just, I can fly up there at 400 feet and still get relatively close to my subject. And uh, yeah, I do the drone. I do the, the trailer camera. And I, 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 I made a, a recent addition to the arsenal. Now I have a 360 camera, which uh, I don't use it as much. But sometimes it, the, the, the Insta360 has something called the, the invisible, invisible selfie stick. So when you extend that and you kind of you know you hold it a certain way, it almost looks like it's a drone following you. Um, that that, that it's amazing technology, really. I think we're living in the golden age of of, of uh, image capture technology. I think stabilization has been one of the besides four K stabilization has been one of the greatest advancements uh, because before you always saw that that shake you know you had to. You have, to, you have to have a, a, an expensive Steadicam rig like they used to in the movies, or put the camera on a tripod. Nowadays, oh, man, I can be moving in, in a moving vehicle and I can be zooming in, and that camera kind of keeps everything uh, in, in frame without much shake, and that's,
1: that's a game changer. Despite doing all the planning, driving, videography, scoring, and editing, Robert is able to create high quality videos that rival travel documentaries with much bigger budgets and to provide authenticity those may be lacking. He's able to give a glimpse of just a few of the places where he's been.
0: Where I've been, where I've been. Yeah, you would think I've been everywhere, but actually that's why my mom tells me sometimes and I'm like, you know, a lifetime wouldn't be enough to 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 be everywhere in the United States. In this episode, we are going to visit the Lost Coast and the Emerald Coast of Florida as we explore the Panhandle. The Panhandle of Florida is great. You have the the Western Panhandle, which is a lot more developed. You have Pensacola, Destin, Panama City, for a reason. Those are, in my opinion, the best beaches in the whole United States. It's, it's, It's Caribbean quality beaches, let's put it. It's Caribbean quality. But then you have that Eastern Panhandle which a place where I decided to buy a, 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 a piece of land uh, last year. Um, it's, it, it's very rural, very, very old Florida, and, um, and it's that quiet, more slow pace. They, they have this part of uh, the panhandle called the Forgotten Coast. You have small towns like Apalachicola, Carabell. You know, super friendly people, great seafood. They have a little bit of that Cajun influence. Being on the on the on the Gulf Coast, yeah. If if you're looking for for coastal Florida, that that I would definitely give the the Panhandle a try. Today, the journey continues through the Appalachian Mountain Range. If there's an area of the East that is my happy place, is the Appalachian Mountains, be it in North Carolina or Northern Georgia, actually. Northern Georgia, I love, I love the area. I love the people. It's, it's great that still Southern hospitality that, that they have in this area. And uh, this is something also that happens to people from Florida. We don't have any mountains down here. So whenever we see mountains, we are like, oh, wow, look at that. So any anywhere around that that area, you know, even even the the West Virginia area, I I really like that a lot, and uh, yeah, in the in the Eastern United States, that's probably my 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 favorite part. Oh yes, we have finally made it to, to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the city is supposedly with the most bridges in America. We really enjoyed uh, Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh has been one of those cities that I wanted to visit for a long time. I don't know why. Uh, maybe I saw that movie in the '90s, uh, Striking Distance, or you know, I've heard about Pittsburgh, and it's a uh, and I really loved it. I really, I really, I really enjoyed. It. I had that uh, that uh, sandwich at Primanti's and uh, we did. Uh, and it's a beautiful city, you know, with, at the at the there at the at the confluence of the two rivers. And I remember that uh, that brewery we went to that is inside a church. That was that to me that was um, something really interesting. That the altar of the church of the old churches where they, they have the the big vats where they brew the beer and uh, it almost it almost feels sacrilegious, you know. <laughs> Actually, I, I liked it. I was I was pleasantly surprised. I also love parts of the Midwest. I've uh, I've discovered a lot of a lot of cool areas in the Midwest. The area by the Mississippi River, Dubuque, uh, Iowa, and St. Louis, Missouri is also a very cool town. I I do like uh, that area a lot as well. And now let me show you where we really are. Right here at the very southern tip of Illinois, the confluence of the muddy Mississippi to the left and the relatively cleaner Ohio to the right. The Ohio meets the Mississippi, yes. And I was glad that they had no no flying restrictions. You know, I have an app, of course, to, to know where I can or cannot fly the drone. And uh, and it's cool to fly the drone at places like that and see, you know, the river confluences and sometimes the, the water has a hard time mixing, you know, the water from one river to the other. And you can tell one of them maybe has more sediment or or more Pollution in certain cases, yeah, the, the, it's it's a shame that that town, uh, Cairo, uh, Illinois, is kind of uh, abandoned. I know that they've had some flooding issues there over the years, decades. That that place has always flooded. But other than that, it's uh, it's beautiful. It's it's beautiful to to discover places that that maybe you know you don't hear about as much. Michigan is also beautiful. There, there's so many places. You know, I could I could tell you something nice about every single state because. Um, there's there's beauty everywhere if you if you know where to look. I've I've actually found that a pleasant surprise. Uh, what people call flyover country, you know. The, I mean, yeah, Kansas, Nebraska, for the most part, you know, it's flat land and it can be kind of boring. But there's also so many hidden gems in all these states in the middle that I that I've been able to discover and great cities like Omaha and, and Des Moines, you know, that nobody ever talks about them. So I, I've I've made it kind of a point to sometimes. Uh, Uh, show these places. And uh, also the the greatest experience is is driving cross country. And to be fair, nothing compares to some of the landscapes of the West. From Eastern Texas to to Florida, it's pretty much all the same flat land for the most part, except for the hills of the Florida panhandle. But once you get past San Antonio and you enter hill country in Texas, and the landscape starts to change. You know, you, you start with large trees. It's, it's rolling hills and, and it almost feels like once you go a, a, every other hill, it starts becoming a little more arid and the, the, the trees start becoming smaller until it's just juniper. And all of a sudden you look up, you know, and you realize, I'm in the desert. How did that happen, you know? Uh, As you to travel west in in Texas, uh, after Junction, Texas, uh, especially seeing those things, seeing seeing the country, places that that you wouldn't travel to otherwise. Uh, I think that that's one of the greatest rewards of RV travel, traveling by land. And and then all of a sudden you are you are in New Mexico and you see the the mountain. You start seeing mountains again. And not to mention if if you if you ever cross the Rockies for the first time, you know you're, you're you're coming through. And I haven't done that one yet, but I've been told it's quite impressive. You're coming through Kansas and it's all flatland. land. You come into Colorado and all of a sudden you see Pikes Peak on the horizon. That, that, that's one of those experiences I haven't had yet, but one of these days. One of these days.
1: You've arrived.
0: What a lovely town. No wonder it is called the Switzerland of America. Uh, the, the Rockies are great. The Rockies are, are one of these places that, and uh, Worray, Colorado. I kind of discovered by chance. You know, I, I had I had heard of the of the Durango Silverton Railway, which is a historic railway. You know, they take you with a with a steam locomotive and whatnot. And there's also a road that kind of follows the same path that is called the Million Dollar Highway, and it's famous because it has no guardrails and. Uh, and it's kind of you know it's scary if you're afraid of heights. So uh, it's 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 a scary road to drive, and this road passes through Uri, and I'm like, this is a cool town. They call it the Switzerland of America, and that was one of those that wasn't on the original plan, but I just happened to stop there, and I'm like, oh, this is really cool. Let's stop and, and check it out. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this moment for a long time. Let's explore. Valley of the Gods, Utah. I love camping in in those public lands, BLM lands, which stands for Bureau of Land Management. And there's also national forests. There are several types of of lands that are owned by the government where most of them you can camp legally for up to 14 days uh, for free. This is actually one of my, my favorite campsites. And I discovered this area when we did that RV trip back in 2014 with the rental RV that we rented in Colorado, the Four Corners region. And this is called Valley of the Gods. A lot of people are familiar with Monument Valley. It's, it's been in so many movies with all those rock formations. You know, it's uh, pretty much every other Western movie has, uh, has had those, uh, those landscapes. But um, Monument Valley is, is a Navajo land, so there's a, you know sometimes you have to take a tour. There's there's many rules, let's just say. A Valley of the Gods is like a mini Monument Valley. It looks very similar, just not as large. But you know you can stay there for free. I can fly the drone even if I want to, you know, and I love it. It's such a such a beautiful place. If if you like that kind of landscape, I, I, I've been told by some people. No, I prefer when I prefer, you know, when there's greenery and lots of trees, and you know, I love those too. But uh, these are just all these, you know, red sandstone formations in the in the middle of the desert that that are really, are really great. As you know, I like photography, and especially during that first trip that we did out west, it was my first time in, in such a dark sky area. And uh, I, I always like to experiment with photography time lapse photography and things like that and um, and that was the first time actually I had just bought a, a DSLR for, for the for the first time in a long time. Actually, for the first time, a digital DSLR. I, I had film cameras before that were capable of that, but not the. And, uh, I started capturing time lapses at night and I captured one of those long exposures when you point the camera to the, to the, to the North Star and then all, all the other stars start making these circular trails around. You know, it's, The North Star doesn't move. It stays in the same spot in the night sky, but every other star uh, revolves around it. And that, that was one of those first uh, time, long time exposure pictures that I've always wanted to make, because I've seen it. I see, I've seen them in, in photography magazines and whatnot. And then I like to do uh, all these time lapses when I, I'm at these dark sky places. And, and of course, through the magic of photography, you can make it look, the stars a little brighter than they really are. And you can see the Milky Way clearly, you know. So sometimes you can make the camera have even more sensitivity than your human eyes. So, um, those come out great. Some some of those nighttime lapses are, are incredible. Of course, my videos have been focusing mostly on the United States, but I actually uh, two years ago uh, in 2018. Well, that would be th- almost four years ago now. Three and a half time flies. Uh, we went to Europe. There was this um, this gentleman from Finland. And you know he was uh, he 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 was also a YouTuber he still is in Finland and uh, we were we were kind of following each other and uh, and he told me if you ever come to Finland I'll lend you my RV and I'm like what what <laughs> and uh, I went like uh, yeah when when do we go to Finland and it turns out you know he had he had a small uh, RV rental uh, company so so we did a so that was an amazing trip. I mean, I love traveling in the United States and that's like what I've done the most, but there's something to be said for getting out of your comfort zone and, and trying to figure out uh, a different language, which is not Italian or German, which you, sometimes you can kind of figure things out. This is Finnish uh, or Suomi as they call it. It's a totally different language, almost impossible to decipher. So it was, uh, we did a trip in, in Finland, Norway, which was amazing and, uh, and Sweden. We actually went to the northernmost point in the world that you can drive to, which is the North Cape in, in, in Norway, right there on the Arctic Ocean.
1: Aside from the sights, Robert shares some of his experiences from the other aspects of life on the road. Well, look, luckily, my, my wife is traveling with me
0: more or less full time now. But uh, yeah, there was a time uh, I mean, before, before last summer where I had to do a lot of these, uh, trips on my own, which it kind of gets uh, lonely sometimes. I've had a lot of support from, from my viewers, from the, from the, the we call them the Pelican Heads. <laughs> that, that That's, that's a name that they came up with themselves. You know, I just, uh, uh, you know, embraced it. Um, but I got a lot of, uh, let's call it, uh, I think the, the, the term is crowdsourcing I get a lot of the the tips uh, about places to visit uh, from them, and also their hospitality. Oh, so many of these people have invited me to their homes, and that's incredible because you know it's a, we don't know each other before then. But one of the first times it happened is I had a I, I broke down on the road in, in Mooresville, North Carolina, just north of Charlotte. I had my I dropped my trailer at the at the parking lot of the place where they were fixing the the car and they could never fix the car. So I was stuck there. I had done a live stream that night from from the parking lot so he, I kind of told people where I was and this guy shows up and I'm like, "You know what? I have a I have a parking in my house with full hookups. You can stay there. I used to have an RV, but I don't have one anymore. So you can stay there as long as you want to have electricity, sewer, water, whatever you want. And um, and I tell them, you know, I don't have anything to tow the trailer with. And, oh, don't worry. I have a friend who has a pickup truck. And, you know, th- everybody got together and th- they got me to safety. And eventually I was able to to get a, rent a truck and get out of there, you know, because there was even a hurricane coming to, 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 to make things interesting. But places like that, you know, and... Uh, Last uh, summer there was uh, this gentleman, he lives in a a lake house in Minnesota and uh, he had emailed me months before and that's why I kind of try to keep my emails organized these days because I have an email for every state and and I'm like, I kind of remember, oh, this guy in Minnesota, he invited, and then I looked it up and I wrote back uh, if if the offer still stood and he's like, yes, yes, come over and i stayed there he took me out on his boat uh, we had a great meal and uh, those personal encounters with people uh, actually enhance the experience because you get more a sense of of how people are in the in this, this certain area they you know they t- tell you their stories i mean this gentleman had lived all, all his life there He you know the the story of every house around that lake it is places like that same thing happened uh it's happened in ohio it's happened uh in Texas. This 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 couple lives in western uh, west of Houston, Katy, Texas. They invited me to their home. They even they didn't even have as much room in in, in the in the place, but they they I just parked it there, barely fit in the place. And uh, and they invited me to dinner at their home, and they told me about you know their their lives and and getting to 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 hear people's stories like that. It's um it gives you also a a, a more personal perspective, if you will. It's not you just showing up and, uh, at a campground and just seeing the, the touristy stuff. Uh, the, the, some of these people, they take you to, to the hidden gems in, in their home states. Like uh, our friends in Ohio, they took us to, to this place called Indian Lake that nobody really, uh, I mean, unless you are from, from Western Ohio, you don't know about Indian Lake. And it's a beautiful lake there with a beautiful state park. Talking about state parks. Yeah, that's a great state park. State parks are definitely underrated. And uh, yeah, national parks are are the big places, you know, the big, ah, places. But then you have uh, Letchworth State Park in New York. That's the latest video that I published. And uh, they call it the Grand Canyon of the East. At the beginning, I was a little dubious, "Ah, Grand Canyon. But then you realize, yeah, this place is amazing. You have, have three huge waterfalls. And yeah, definitely state parks. And sometimes they are even more accessible to to people. You know, the the national parks are usually more s- spread out, uh, farther away. Um, yeah, we have some great state parks. I mean, in, in Florida, we have two national parks: the Everglades and and uh, and uh, Biscayne. But there are so many state parks that are like totally under under the radar and are just as beautiful. Especially in the northern part of Florida, you have some some. Uh, Natural springs and uh, the Suwannee River, and uh, I'm talking about Florida. which I'm rediscovering uh, as 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 we speak, you know, every time since it's my home state. But I lived in Miami all my life, so so I I never I never really saw the other part of Florida. But just like that, in every state you find beautiful state parks. There's a park in Missouri called Wakonda State Park that you 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 can camp right there, right next to this lake, and it's a beautiful place. There are several things that you need to travel. some are wants, some are needs um yeah, I need my coffee for sure I need my i I can't have any type of coffee, but I prefer my Cuban coffee which is just a very strong espresso, and Cuban's drinking a lot sweeter than me I'm trying to watch my my health, so I only put one one teaspoon of sugar, but a true Cuban would put like two or three um i I have them the Berkey f- uh, water filter that's another thing that that I like to have just to to be able to make my own water it's a water purification system and you don't have to be buying water at different uh, places around the country and you know makes it safe and uh, I, I need to have internet and right now it's uh it's one of those things and if if you are going to be out there full time or or long term get at least two of the services get two of the major carri- carriers cuz sometimes when one of them drops out the the other one works. Um, unless you're in, in a national park, which they go, it feels they go out of their way to keep you uh, incommunicated. What else? What's, things that you need for safety on the road, and this is very important. If you're towing a trailer, if you don't have one in your rig, tire pressure monitor is very important. So it gives you an early warning. And I've had a few flat tires in my time and it would have been too late if I didn't have that. When it comes to tires, I have a tire plug kit. I have a compressor. Where you're, where you're traveling with a with a with an RV with a trailer, sometimes you don't fit in the gas station, uh, you know, at the, the area where they have it for you to 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 air your tires. So it's good to have a an air compressor, little safety things uh, like that. If you have a, a big rig, an RV or truck, GPS is important too, so it doesn't take you through those uh, low bridges or or narrow roads, you know. I'm, I'm, I have a small rig. I, my rig is only a little over 10 feet tall. So I figure if the UPS truck can go through, so can I. But you know, sometimes it's, it takes you through places that you shouldn't go.
1: Robert has no plans to slow down or scale back his travels. He shares some of the ideas he has for the future. Uh, the book Travels
0: with Charlie. It's one of those great, uh, great travel books by by Steinbeck, and um, whether it's entirely accurate or not to to what really happened in his travel, it's up for debate. I've heard several accounts, but uh, that book has definitely inspired me to see different places, and that's that, that that's a classic. That's that's a travel book that everybody should should read, and it and it also puts it in the perspective of the time when it was written. Uh, which I don't know if it was, it may have, it, it may have been still when, the, when the, there was segregation in the South, but it was during that time. It was during that time of the civil rights movement. And it also puts that part of the book in historical perspective. And it's one of those things that, that I'm trying to do now since I've been almost everywhere, almost, but not, not really. I'm, my, my trips now, from now on, some of them I want to do with a theme. I'm, I'm going to tell you about the trip that I'm planning right now. I'm planning a trip following the, the, the on the footsteps of Lewis and Clark when they left, uh, actually when they met uh, near Louisville, Kentucky, and then in Kansas city, that's when they, they took, uh, on the, on the Missouri river all the way to, to the West coast. This summer I'm doing Lewis and Clark next summer. I might do travels with Charlie, you know, following in the footsteps, see how the country has changed. In the past um, 50 years, I don't know exactly when the book was was written. There's another book also that is uh, similar in that sense. It's called Blue Highways. Blue Highways because it, it refers to when when pr- in printed maps. You know the main highways were, were always printed in red. You know like the interstate and the U.S. highways, but the the secondary highways were printed in, in, in blue. So this guy goes all across America, but only using this this uh, you know. Two-lane roads, and um, it's a similar book. It also goes everywhere, and um, that's another one that was written in the seventies. So that's another route that I would like to take at some point and see how the country has changed uh, over the years. You know, technology keeps keeps uh, advancing, and I have high hopes that that I get to do it at some point. You know, do do all this instead of just video. Do it in virtual reality. I think that's the, uh, the only once virtual reality really becomes good and it's getting there that you could actually convey the, the depth perception of being at a place like the Grand Canyon because so far video is flat. I think for certain places, it would definitely be able to convey uh, a little better what the experience is really like at some of these places where you, you feel so small, you know, you just feel small uh, besides such, a, such the great distances. that. It, that you, you see, you know, when you're standing on top of, of Mount Evans or before the Grand Canyon, places like that. When you've put out a video nearly every, every week for years now, there's certainly that, that pressure, and I wouldn't call it pressure. It's more like your duty. You know, it's like these people are expecting uh, something new every week, and uh, I, I like to keep it consistent like that. A couple of weeks ago, I did take a break. I was like, guys, I'm—I mean, I didn't put it in these words, but I was—I'm like, I'm kind of burned out. I'm gonna take a couple of weeks off, and I ended up just taking one week off. I, I found that I had a video unpublished from a year ago, and I decided to to publish it. It was kind of a rerun, but it, it was a great success. Actually, people liked it a lot. Some sometimes, a lot of time, people don't like when you do a rerun or you a re-edit of an older video, but there's certainly a pressure and since i see it as as my job you know it's like my responsibility it's something that i don't want to disappoint the audience and i want to have something that it may not be a a 45 minute an hour you know full production video but there's there's something going on the air on the air on youtube you know every every sunday at 7 a.m eastern that's my commitment about writing a book, if I could get a ghost writer, uh, I, you know, I have trouble writing a weekly newsletter, and uh, I, I think I, I feel like I may never have the time to or the disposition, you know, the the, the wish to to write a book like that myself. I started once, but uh, it's one of those those projects that that isn't as rewarding as as producing the video to me, you know. And I already I already, I already write myself a script for every video. And um, maybe, maybe I could send someone all those, uh, uh, you know, scripts and maybe someone could put together a book. Uh, that would be good. I, actually, some people have also requested that I do a cookbook. Because sometimes, you know, as part of the videos I cook, it's generally with a Cuban twist, you know, different plates and stuff like that. And people want me to put up a, a, like a recipe book. And this is the thing, it never comes out the same because I don't use recipes. I use, oh, today I'm going to add a little more oregano. Today I'm going to experiment with with coriander or wh- whatever spice. So it's one of those things that I, m- I may, may never get to do myself. But at some point, you know, it's just a time factor, it's only, it's, only, it's only one of me and I have to film and, uh, and uh, do the music, do the editing and uh, take care of the business too. There's a business aspect too that, uh, you know, my inbox right now, uh, and in the time we've been uh, talking to each other, I have five new emails, you know? <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that you have, you have to be on top of. I consider myself very fortunate and very privileged to be able to do what I do. And uh, and let's face it, for many years, you know, you, I, I was at a, it was kind of a dead-end job in a dying industry, and uh, and this has been like a rebirth for me, really. And um, and it's one of those things that, uh, that you always wanted to do, and you are able to, to do it, and you are able to, to be successful at it. And uh, the best part out of all of this, you know, being able to to work on my own, on my own schedule, be my own boss and do what I love. It's the reaction of the people and the stories that they tell you. And that you have sometimes touched their lives in a way, you know, got them through the pandemic, got them through an illness, got them through something. And uh, and some people are so grateful that uh, you don't realize when I'm taking my little videos and editing them and trying to make them entertaining that, that somebody can, um, can appreciate them as much. And that to me is the most rewarding part of, of all this. What advice to give to a content creator that is starting out? Just do it. Don't, don't, don't try to make it perfect at the beginning. Just pull out your iPhone and make a video. Uh, edit it. Uh, you know, I mean, teach yourself the skills. You, you need some basic skills. For for example, I had the basic skills on what would make a good video, but I didn't know how to edit in Adobe Premiere or or Final Cut. Those are things that you have to teach yourself. But the first one, you don't even have to edit it, just put it out there, just start. Starting is the, the, the most difficult part, uh, learning how to speak on camera without feeling self-conscious that other people are looking at you weird, which is less weird today than it was 10, 15 years ago, but it still kind of is. Um, and then, you know, just consistency. If you set out to do this, do it at least once a week, good titles, good thumbnails, good thumbnails, something, something that people are gonna wanna click on YouTube. Because even though I have 210,000 subscribers, still uh, 60, 70% of my views are from non-subscribers. So it's that person that sees that video suggested on the right-hand side on the computer or, or at the end of the video on, on your mobile device and, and which thumbnail are you going to click? I cannot, I cannot stress enough. And that's something that I learned after. You know, I, 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 At the beginning, I would let YouTube choose the, the, the thumbnail for me. You have to create something eye-catchy that people are gonna to wanna to click on and uh, give it your best shot. You know, put, put something that, that you would watch yourself. And, uh, and if it's good, people will watch. We live in a, in a golden age right now of uh, I mean, almost ubiquitous internet. I mean, it may, it may not be very fast, but it's there uh, everywhere. And uh, I bet you you can find a job that, that will let you work remotely. And that will be the first thing if you wanna travel long-term. There's, there's also a lot of temporary jobs that you can do you know, if, 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 you don't, if you don't have a skill that can be exploited by working remotely. There's a lot of jobs that you, even campground hosts. Wouldn't you love to be a, a campground hosting in one of the national parks and you know, living one of those places you know, seasonally? Some of them don't pay you, but sometimes they pay you a little bit. You get to stay there for free in some of these campgrounds. Those are called work camping jobs. And then there are seasonal jobs. Amazon has seasonal jobs. Uh, There's a sugar beet harvest, which is hard work. It's super cold. For you, you do it for a couple of weeks, and you make a couple thousand dollars. You know, and the, the thing with RV travel in general is, you can make it as cheap or as expensive as you want it to be. You could pretty much camp for free uh, indefinitely. you know at some point you have to get water and and dump your sewage. but that can be done almost free and uh, or or you can stay at camp golf in the in the in in Destin Florida at two hundred dollars a night if 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 you're passionate about it, uh, uh, I'm sure there's a way that that you can find uh, to make it work, to make it happen. Thanks for listening to Creators by Moonlight. Email the show at creatorsbymoonlight at gmail.com and follow the show on social at Creators by Moonlight.